today's makeup is giving us transgender and spicy. <laughs> I'm Sister Alaska Lots. And I'm Sister Babushka. And this is Utter Nonsense. The show where we pour a piping hot cup of tea. And we utter whatever nonsense pops into our heads. And as you may have guessed by now, this is a very laid-back chat amongst very good friends. And we upload a brand new episode once a month, every month on the first of the month, with plenty of little tidbits of nonsense every other week. Woo! This month is LGBTQ plus History Month. And we decided this year we are going to take a deep dive into the history of, surprise, prize, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Shocked, I say. This is the most indulgent episode, so self-indulgent. We three here, even this one, we are sisters of perpetual indulgence. So we're part of a group of queer activists who've been making waves for the LGBTQ plus community all the way from the 1970s. So without further ado, let's dive straight in and find out how the sisters started and what they're all about. I feel like there needs to be a diving board now. Okay, here we go. You ready, John? <laughs> Nil poi. Not quite ready for diving in the Olympics yet, John. <laughs> the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were founded in San Francisco in 1979. The group's initial mission was to actually provide a visible and positive presence in the queer community while also helping to raise awareness and fighting against discrimination. The name came from the Catholic concept of indulgence, which refers to the idea that one's sins can be forgiven through acts of charity and kindness. And the sisters adopt this name as a way to challenge traditional religious beliefs and promote acceptance and love for all. I don't know if there's enough acts of charity and kindness I could do to wash away all my sins. I like to do a lot of charity, so I have to commit a lot of sins. <laughs> to balance, balance those scales. <laughs> the habit, which is a traditional attire worn by nuns, is worn by the sisters as a form of satire and performance art to help subvert societal expectations and to challenge traditional religious norms. In addition to using the habit as a way to promote the message of acceptance of love, the sisters also used their attire to draw attention to important issues facing the LGBTQ plus community, such as the HIV AIDS epidemic. They would wear signs and symbols on their habits that were related to these issues, which helped to raise awareness and educate the public, which... You might notice there's a familiar ribbon or a familiar triangle on one of your host's face today. They also have the ribbon. Overall, the habit has become a symbol of the sisters' unique brand of activism and has become a really important part of our identity as well as our legacy. So how did we come across these habits then? There was a convent that was getting rid of old habits and the originators went to the convent and said they were putting on a production of The Sound of Music. Could they have some of the old habits for costumes? Whether or not that production ever happened, 
is lost to the mysteries of time. However, not long afterwards, those habits were being proudly marched through the streets of San Francisco on the First Sisters. <laughs> Causing a stir as they went on Easter Sunday, no less. <laughs> and notably, it wasn't just any San Francisco streets. It was through the Castro District, which was like the heart of the gay community in San Francisco at the time. I mean, it would definitely capture people's attention with both shock and amazement. They acquired those habits three years before the sisters started. They got the habits. They just held on to them three years later. They decided one Easter Sunday, do you know what? Shall we just go and put them on and go for a wander down the road? <laughs> They'd even managed to make their way all the way down to the nude beach. And one was even said to have been carrying a machine gun and smoking a cigar. Very unconventional nuns back in the day. Suffice to say, I think they caused a bit of a stir. <laughs> Just a small one. <laughs> and so, of course, after their first outing, these habits started appearing in public more and more often. I mean, their next appearance was even at a softball game. Apparently at that softball game, the pom-pom routine all but stole the show. <laughs> they did a pom-pom routine? I somehow now feel the need to rehearse a pom-pom routine ourselves. <laughs> hey, sister, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, sister. Hey, sister! And then, in the fall of 1979, two sisters had even went to the first international fairy gathering and encountered even more people that wanted to join the calling of the sisters. In the early years, the sisters did face some opposition and hostility from some other members of the queer community because they saw their antics as being quite counterproductive to the fight for equality. However, the sisters persevered and continued to use their platform to educate and advocate for queer rights. It wasn't long before the sisters became known for their unique brand of activism, which involved a good healthy mix of street theatre, drag and performance arts. They began performing at LGBTQ plus events and rallies, wearing elaborate makeup, and we also often incorporated religious symbols and satire to actually challenge societal norms and beliefs at the time. The use of whiteface, for example, as Alaska and I are both showing today, is part of our distinctive and theatrical appearance that the sisters have actually been known for for many years now. There are many reasons that have been given over the years to explain the origin of this particular style of makeup. Which one is the true original reason, I think has been lost to time, to be honest. But I will say that it provides a very useful blank canvas on which each sister can challenge conventional notions of beauty and create their own artistic style. The use of white face paint, along with the elaborate habits, allows the sisters to embody a surreal, otherworldly presence, um, which helps to emphasise the performative aspect of the activism that we do. We find that the makeup and the habits also serve as a very powerful tool for drawing attention to us and therefore to the issues and traditional norms that we're attempting to challenge. And it helps contribute to the unique and memorable visual identity of the sisters. So it helps us get more known and helps us in furthering the work that we're doing. Yeah, definitely don't forget once you've seen a sister. <laughs> don't love a bit of attention, you know. <laughs> all for a good cause, all for a good cause. <laughs> As a side note, it's interesting that 
the fact that so many people have got different ideas about why we do white face. But I checked with Grandmother Vish. Her reason was the blank canvas reason. And that apparently it was something that she was doing before she became a sister. She would paint her face white to give herself a blank canvas to do like artistic makeup and stuff. Mm. But yeah, there are lots of people who do it for different reasons now, aren't there? I mean, I suppose it's like any activist movement, it becomes part of what the people bring into it and how they interpret what to do. As the popularity of the sisters grew, we also began to expand our reach beyond San Francisco. The sisters established new chapters in cities across the United States and around the world, becoming a global force for LGBTQ plus activism. For us here in Scotland, we are the result of that migration of the idea of the sisters and what they are. So it started in San Francisco and spread to Australia. And the Australian tradition looks a little bit different from the American one. So, for example, they often don't use the white face. They go with plain faces. And then from there, eventually, it spreads to the United Kingdom, which is how we ended up becoming sisters ourselves. And in the United Kingdom, you see an interesting mix of the Australian tradition and the American tradition. So some British sisters will have plain face and some, like us, will do the American style white face. All are valid. Eventually, <laughs> it all distilled into the perfect house, which is the house of nonsense. <laughs> wow, very indulgent. The sisters' impact was also very profound in the early years of the HIV and AIDS epidemic because the sisters actually went and provided support and resources to those affected by the diseases and used their platform to raise awareness about the need for safer sex practices and HIV testing. Really, it should have been a governmental response across the world. But with that lacking, having that shared activist goal of looking out for our community was one that quickly caught on in many places around the world. There was a real lack of information and support for people who were affected by HIV and AIDS. Particularly at that time, it was such a fearful thing for the community. And so the sisters stepped in and were in fact, I think the sisters were the first people to provide a safer sex pamphlets for people who might be affected by HIV and AIDS using plain language. And it was written by a sister who was actually a nurse. So they had the knowledge and the understanding and the sisters provided a real support for a community that had nowhere else to go and had no other support. And I think that's part of the reason why you'll still see a lot of the sisters um, outfits will contain that ribbon as well because as well as fighting the good fight now and although HIV and AIDS is not the death sentence it was when it was first spreading in our community it's it at least personally for me the ribbon helps to tie back to the epidemics that we've helped our community face at the start of our inception and also reminds us that when the next ones come, such as when we've had to face COVID, when there was the monkeypox scare, and whatever other challenges our community faces together, that is something that the sisters still carry with them, is that remembrance that we're here for the community, even when wider society isn't. I think that's what really cemented the sisters as an organisation to be reckoned with, and what's led to it becoming everything that it is today. Side note, I did find myself pondering recently 
if we hold on too much to where the sisters started and not where they should be going. There's a big focus on like having these ribbons, talking about HIV and AIDS, doing condom ministry. But all of these venues have the condoms already there. This is a thing. There's plenty of places providing testing for free. There's plenty of places that provide the information now. I don't think that's where our efforts are needed anymore. I think our efforts are needed in other parts of the community. And we're not necessarily meeting the challenge in the way that we did when the sisters started. I feel that we've we're clinging on too much to the past instead of looking at the future and going, we need to get into action here. So that's just a personal thought that was in my head recently. I would share that sentiment. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I suppose when you have an activist group, there will always be those conflicting views on what's more important, etc. But yeah, the idea that there's a focus on well, this is what we do because we've always done it, whereas having to constantly evolve as our community evolves because you know there will be new challenges that comes up as we've seen with the huge spike in transphobia over the recent years and it would be a shame to lose that fire and that passion for working with the community i do worry that some people are stuck clinging to a past glory rather than focusing on what we need to do now what would we need to do next but for people that want to be sisters, you do need to reckon with the fact that as an activist, you need to change. Now, over the years, it's fair to say that the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence have faced their fair share of challenges and controversies. One of the main ones is the criticism from some people that we use religious symbols unfairly and that we are mocking religion. There have even been legal challenges related to the way that we present ourselves. Take a look at the way America's reacting to drag right now. We very much fall into that category. <laughs> the sisters have also faced almost the traditional backlash from certain parts of society that are less than liberal. I think part of it shows, though, that what we're doing is unsettling to some people, but we're unsettling the right people. We're challenging their perceptions of what it is to be queer while standing up for our community. And we're pushing back on things that are regressive and harmful to our community. We are there to spread joy, but actually underneath that is quite a serious thing that we're doing. We are committed to the work that we're doing. We take vows like other kinds of nuns do. We are committed to serving our community, to doing charitable work, to raising funds for good causes. For many of us, it feels like a calling, like any other nun. So although we may present a very cheery exterior, there is serious work that's going on behind the scenes. This is just part of who we are, spreading joy and getting your attention so you can listen to the important issues that we're trying to talk about. Our habit can embody certain parts of our community that don't get representation, which can be such a key difference to somebody that is maybe struggling with something. If they can see uh, us supporting the intersex community, if they can see us supporting the trans community, if they can see us supporting people of all aspects of the queer community, it can really be a lifeline for them to come up and speak to us and know that this is a safe space that we're garnering for them. The work that we do can be life-changing. It is as serious as any other nun because we are nuns as well.
Something else that you'll quite often hear sisters saying is that we are deliberately looking as out there as possible because for people who feel othered in society, once we enter the room, they are no longer the person who feels like they stick out. No one's going to stick out more than us. (laughs) And it allows them to realise that it's okay to be out there and be yourself. There's space for all of us. Despite the challenges that the sisters have faced throughout the many years we've been active, As you can see, we remain steadfast in our mission to promote acceptance and love for all because that is our calling. That is what we have signed up to do as sisters. And regardless of how many times we're going to face criticism from the the right (laughs) and sometimes the left, you know, we will continue to push for that radical love and empathy for our community. And of course, here we are over 40 years since they began, and we continue to be active in promoting social justice, fighting for LGBTQ plus rights and providing support and resources to our community. It's safe to say that the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence have had a profound impact on the LGBTQ plus community and also on challenging societal norms and beliefs, raising awareness about important issues and providing support and resources to those that are in need within our community. We would also like to think that we have helped pave the way for future generations of LGBTQ plus activists and advocates. And hopefully our legacy will continue to be felt not just today, but for many years to come. Basically, at the end of the day, the sisters will stop being needed when every single member of society can live their life how they want, in a safe way, without judgment from other people and without fear of bigotry and hatred. Gender acceptance for everyone. Let's have no conversion therapy, equal marriage for everyone around the world, equal parental rights and reproductive rights for everyone around the world. Until then, you're going to have us rocking up to your protests. You're going to have us rocking up to your events and talking about the importance of all the topics we need to talk about that day. You're going to have us standing, fighting side by side by our trans siblings, our lesbian siblings, our gay siblings, all our siblings under this beautiful rainbow umbrella. We're going to be there fighting alongside you. So hopefully today's video has given you just a little bit more of an insight into the rich history of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and the activism and advocacy for the queer community that we do. The Sisters have challenged societal norms and beliefs. They've helped raise awareness about important issues facing the community. And we have provided support and resources to those in need throughout our time as an organisation. I'm sure you'll agree that we are quite a remarkable organisation and there is plenty more fights left in us for equality and inclusivity. Even if you're not considering joining the Sisters, we do hope that it's maybe encouraged you to become a bit more active in your local scene, fighting the good fight for your queer community. Now, if you would like to hear more about what sisters have to say, then you should join us for our next video on this channel, when we are going to be tackling some controversial trans questions. Questions that you would never dare ask out loud. We will answer them. Hopefully, you'll join us again on the 1st of March for that video. And in the meantime, if you cannot wait a whole month before getting some more nonsense, You can check out our socials to see what we're up to. 
And we also release more smaller videos throughout the month while you're waiting for the next Utter Nonsense episode. So do stick around and check those out as well. And now I think it is safe to say that we have done the thing. We have done the thing. We did the thing. We did the thing. We did the thing. We did the thing. And end scene. <laughs> Thank you.